Welcome to the Beyond the Box War podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Zach Rubisam. Zach's currently the assistant men's basketball coach at Belmont Abbey College in North Carolina. All right, I'll start in a second. Coach, how you doing? Good, David. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm very, very excited to be here and um, looking forward to talking with you today. I'm very excited to have you on here, man. So uh, pleasure's all mine. Uh, give yourself a brief introduction to the listeners. Yep. Uh, how's everybody doing? My name is Zach Rubisam. I'm currently an assistant coach at Belmont Abbey College in Belmont, North Carolina. Previously, I was on staff at the University of Denver, um, was a student manager at the University of Colorado, and originally from a small town in Colorado called Berthoud. Okay. Awesome. Talk about growing up in Colorado. Man, uh, ever since moving away, uh, I have a bet much, much better appreciation for Colorado. Um, beautiful place to live. You know, you have the I live right around the along the front range. So you have the Rocky Mountains. Um, you can see them from pretty much everywhere from Denver up to Berthoud where I live. But um, again, from Colorado, a small town, uh, town. My high school is about 700 kids. Town's about 5000. So very much a small town feel. Um, played everything growing up, played basketball, football, baseball. And with the small high schools, you kind of have to do that. But, you know, I kind of fell in love with basketball from an early age and have been blessed to be able to stay in it up to now. Awesome. When did you realize that you wanted to be a coach? Yeah, um, for me, it was kind of different. Um, I knew I wanted to be a coach when I was about 17. I think kind of my sev- or my senior year of high school um, is really when I knew I wanted to be a coach. Um, and that process was very interesting for me because – I was still in love with playing, you know, I think every high school kid's dream, especially when you're a decent player, you know, in a small town and um, one of the better players on the team, you want to try to go play college. And that was definitely a goal of mine, but I had an interesting experience with someone in town that kind of hooked me up with CU. And um, I kind of gave up the dream to play, had some small NAIA D3, some D2 offers, but instead tried to go the coaching route and try to get my foot in the door. Okay. Um, how did you become a student manager at uh, University of Colorado? Yep. Um, so like I said, I was in my senior year still trying to figure out, you know, really what I wanted to do. Um, Berthoud is about 30 minutes north of Boulder. So I grew up a Colorado Buffalo. I love the black and gold. We used to go to CU football games. We go to CU basketball games when Ricardo Patton was the head coach. Um, Jeff Bazdelic. I lived and breathed Colorado basketball, Colorado football. It didn't matter. So, Boulder is kind of where I knew I wanted to be and CU was kind of knew I were kind of where I knew I wanted to be. Um, so like I said, going into my senior year, I knew I wanted to coach. I kind of still wanted to play, but was open to options. But I knew if I was going to apply anywhere to one big school, it was going to be CU. So actually my, uh, let's see, spring of my senior year, I was talking to Dave Platty, who is the sports information director. And Mr. Platty has been at CU forever, years and years and years, one of the probably most well-known people on campus. So I went there to a football game, probably, you know, in December, um, just one of the football games, last games of the year, trying to see if I wanted to get into sports information. And when I was up in the press box, kind of seeing what Dave did and how all of that side of athletics worked, Todd Sandstedt, um, who was with the FBI, was up there working the football game. And Todd, his family moved to Berthoud probably when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. And my family had built a relationship with his family. And it turns out Todd is originally from Greeley, Colorado, um, and Todd Boyle is from Greeley. So Todd's from Greeley, Colorado. He, you know, 
went to the University of Colorado, was a student manager there, and then got into coaching. He's been at App State for a long time, was at Tennessee. And we actually ended up going to church with the Sandsteads, and I got to talking about him like, hey, you know, I think I want to play, but I really, really, you know, want to be a coach eventually. Then what's the best way to do it? And he kind of took me under his wing, and I'm so, so thankful for Todd because he took me under his wing, started guiding me there, and he is the one that got me connected with Coach Boyle and the University of Colorado basketball program. So he set it up for us. We went down to CU, I think, April of my senior year. It was me and my dad. And um, when I tell you I was nervous to meet with Coach Boyle, I was very, very nervous as a 17-year-old to go into, you know, someone that I almost idolized at that point to who's doing exactly what I want to do to sit down and, you know, try to work for him. But it was very cool because I went there and the first person I met on campus was Rodney Billups. Rodney was the director of basketball operations at the time. So he met us at the front door. He walked us around the facilities, was very nice, answered all of our questions and, you know, then brought us into Coach Boyle's office. And, you know, luckily enough, um, Coach Boyle gave me the opportunity to be a student manager. Um, and I wanted to jump all over that. But you know, like I said, I don't even know if Coach Boyle will remember this, but in his office, I'm 17 year old, you know, bright eyed, still think I'm pretty good at basketball. I tell him, you know, if there's ever an opportunity to walk on, I'd love to do that. And, um, but I definitely want to get into coaching. And he said, yeah, we'll see where the kind of takes us and um, kind of go from there. But the funny part about that point is when I first got there for our summer workout that, you know, a couple months later, that team had Andre Robertson, who's now with the Thunder, Spencer Dinwiddie, who plays for the Nets, Askia Booker, who plays in Spain, uh, Josh Cott, who plays in Japan. I see all those dudes in the gym, and I go through some drills and, you know, passing in some drills. And it's funny because I call my dad right after, and I was like, Dad, if I really wanted to play, Colorado is not the school I could have played at. I think I got to stick with this manager and coaching thing. <laughs> I feel like most student managers at some point have the conversation. You know, would, would I be able to try to walk on at some point? And I think, you know, your experience is, is so true because they go through warm-ups where they, you know, they start watching guys, you know, just throwing lobs to each other. And you're like, mm -hmm. maybe I'll just, you know, do the manager route. Yeah, no, I had that realization early. And like I said, that was the first time meeting Coach Boyle. And, you know, here's Zach Rubisam, who is not the player that we had at Colorado. And I'm like, can I, do you think I could walk on? And you know, I, I would love to get his opinion of what he thought of that at the time, but um, I figured out pretty early that, you know, Colorado, the Colorado Buffaloes wasn't the level that I could play at. So the manager route, I'm very, very thankful I went that way and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. You know, I'll, I'll ask you more about being a manager, but did you get to participate in the manager games? We did. We did. So that really started going probably – you know, about my sophomore year at CU is when it really started picking up. So, you know, we had our crew and um, we would play a bunch of different teams. I know Oregon came. But the cool thing, really, when I was at Colorado, this was, again, my sophomore year, was me um, and two other managers. And at that time, Rodney, I can't even say how old Rodney is now. He's probably 33 right now. He was, this was six years ago. So he was probably 27, 28 at the time, had just got done playing probably one or two years before. And then Bill Carton who had walked on at UConn um, was the director of operations at that time. So we used to go to Arizona. Um, and I remember this plane is day. We go to Arizona. It's Rodney playing. It's Bill playing. It's me and two other managers. And we are playing Damon Stoudemire, um, a guy, another guy, uh, Joseph, who was a EuroLeague All-American and then, excuse me, a EuroLeague MVP. 
and then three of their managers. And Damon Stoudemire is just pulling from the volleyball line, splashing everything. And I look at one of the other dudes, I was like, holy crap, Damon Stoudemire is like 40 and just killing us. But those were some of the most fun times I had. Rodney was really, really good still then. He could, I could never guard him. I still can't guard him now, but he was really, really good at that time. He was playing all of our CU guys one-on-one and, you know, holding his own. That's, that's funny. You know, so you spent four years as a student manager um, mm-hmm. under Coach Boyle, and I know you were promoted to head student manager for the final three years. Talk about your roles and responsibilities and, and the increased responsibilities being the head student manager. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, going in, um, I was happy to be there. I just wanted to soak everything up. So my freshman year, I volunteered. I was kind of the low man on the totem pole my freshman year. I was our only freshman manager and everyone else was upperclassmen. I think we had two seniors, three juniors and a sophomore, maybe. So I was really at the bottom in terms of traveling and all that stuff. But, you know, the biggest thing that I think helped me, you know, garner more responsibility from the coaches and everyone is I was just always around. Um, Berthet is only 30 minutes north of Boulder. So even though I wasn't living in Boulder that summer before I enrolled, I was driving down for all of the summer workouts. I was at every single summer workout. It didn't matter if it was 6 a.m., you know, at night, whatever. I was driving down there because I just wanted to be there. Um, then when school started, I was trying to be in the office every single day. You know, I would work around my class schedule. And then I would just go to the office and see what I could do. And, you know, the three assistants at the time, Coach Billups, Coach Roan, and John Prelo. Um, Coach Prelo is now the head coach at San Jose State. Coach Roan and Coach Pre really, you know, once they got to know me and were comfortable with me, really let me do a lot. I worked with Coach Roan with the bigs, and he really taught me how to do mailouts and everything like that. So I was in there helping him with mailouts. I was writing on the envelopes, doing all that stuff. And Pre, I would just sit down there and talk to him for hours because Pre – can sit there and he can talk about basketball till the sun goes down. So I just sit there and listen to him. And the biggest thing is just try to be around. Right. So do all my responsibilities and try to be around and, you know, really try to get the point across is that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm serious about doing. And um, again, try to be around as much as I can. So, you know, as the freshman year goes, I didn't get to travel much. We went to Kansas that year. Um, I was unfortunately not on that trip, but my dad and brother and me made the road trip out to KU. It didn't go our way in Kansas, but it's a fun story a couple years later when they came back to Boulder. But the one trip I got to go on was the Utah trip at the very end of the year. And I actually wasn't even supposed to go. I wasn't going to get to go on a trip, but one of the managers who was supposed to go um, was actually in the mountains that weekend. So he had made plans to be in the mountains so he couldn't go on the trip. So, you know, Zach, you get to go on this trip with us. So you know, getting to go on that trip, seeing how to do everything on the road and really taking a lot of notes. I'm a huge notes guy. So I tried to write down every single thing, you know, that was our manager responsibility, whether it was at practice, what does Roney need? You know, what does pre need with the guards? What does coach Billups need? Coach Boyle, what does he need? Kind of writing everything down, almost creating a handbook in a sense. So I had everything, you know, underneath my belt going into my sophomore year. And um, I think it was the summer of my sophomore year, coach Boyle brought me in and said, you know, I have a decision to make between you and another guy. And um, I thought a lot about it and I'm going to go with you. So with all this, you know, the new title and the head student manager comes the responsibility of now you're going to have to have, you know, keep all these dudes in line. And we have seven managers. You got to make sure you're on your P's and Q's. You got to make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to do so that the coaches can coach and the players can play, because that's the ultimate goal of a manager is you're doing everything behind the scenes to take everything else off their plate and they can just focus on what they need to focus on. 
that's the best way I've ever heard someone explain being a manager. I'm being serious. That that just let the players be able to play and the coaches be able to coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that's really that's really what it's all about. You know, whether it's you know, all the manager do, whether it's wiping up sweat on the floor, whether it's doing the clock, whether it's getting a ball, you just got to make sure you're thinking ahead, two steps ahead of everything. So, boom, we're doing this drill. Coach Boyle doesn't even have to say anything. He just knows that it's already set up. Boom, turn around, go to the other end of the floor, and we're right into the next drill. Um, just trying to make things run seamless and, you know, um, probably to a fault. Um, I'm hard on myself on mistakes naturally. So, you know, if we had a mistake, I took it very personally. Um but, you know, just trial and error and trying to keep everyone on the same page and that next up mindset of what are we doing next and thinking two steps ahead is a big deal for all managers, I think. No, well said. Um, you know, talk about being part of a program that made the NCAA tournament. Yeah, man, it was, you know, again, coming from a small town and I dream about playing college basketball and I'm sure I had dreams of going to the NBA. And again, like my dream playing college basketball at a high level, I, that kind of evaporated quickly when I do that wasn't my level, but you know, everyone wants to be a part of the NCAA tournament. And I was lucky enough to go three out of my four years to the NCAA tournament. Um, the year before I got to Colorado, they had won the PAC 12 tournament. That was our first year in the PAC 12 crazy run, won four games and four nights in LA went to the NCAA tournament. They beat UNLV in the first round, ended up losing to Baylor in the second round. My freshman year, we get there and, you know, most of the guys back, we lost Carlin Brown, who was a senior year the year before, and Nate Tomlinson, who was a senior year the year before. I also think Marcus Relford was a senior that year. Um, but we returned Andre Robertson, who was going to be a junior. Spencer Dinwiddie was going to be a sophomore. Skia Booker was going to be a sophomore. Um, then you had that class of Josh Scott, Xavier Johnson, Xavier Tallon, all freshmen. So very, very good team. Um, but the NCAA tournament, we went to the NCAA tournament my freshman year. We lost to I believe Illinois in the first round in Austin didn't get to travel to that game, but, you know, hearing the stories from the other managers who got to go and, you know, you fly private, the NCAA, you know, charters everybody and you're the bands on the bus or on the plane and fans are on the plane with you and donors and families and everyone is all excited to go down to Austin to play this NCAA tournament game. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. So going in my sophomore year, you know, that's what we wanted to do. We had those guys coming back. We had Spencer Dinwiddie um, coming back as a junior. Uh, Andre had left that year. Ski was going to be a junior. And then that class that I came in with were all sophomores. So, you know, we're humming along that sophomore year. And um, Spencer, unfortunately, tears his ACL in Washington at UW, um, probably about the second conference game um, of the year. And we we're at to, up to number 12. But, you know, we righted the ship and made it to the NCAA tournament. Again, it was unlike anything that I had ever imagined, you know, police escorts to the game, all of the media that's there. And you can really feel the energy and how special the NCAA tournament is just because, you know, 64 teams make it or 68 teams make it with it playing games. But that's where everyone wants to be. So when you're there and you're doing shoot around before the game and you got your 45 minutes or whatever it is, and you're just taking it all in. It's so much fun to be there with the team you've been there with all year and um, it's really a cool journey every single year. That's great. So you reunite with Coach Phillips at the University of Denver. Uh, yeah. Talk about the relationship and other opportunities that you explored before joining the staff at Denver. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I knew I wanted to coach from a young age. I knew I co wanted to coach since I was 17 years old. So going into CU, that was always my goal of, all right, 
you know, I was volunteer manager my first year, then I'm head manager. I kept setting new goals. So I kind of thought the next step for me would be the graduate assistant spot. So um, I went and worked a bunch of camps. That's another advice to managers is if you want to get into coaching, go work as many camps as you can and network. Um, Coach Boyle really helped me get into a couple of camps. He helped me get into Kansas along with Todd Sandstead, helped me get into Kansas. I went and worked that. I went out and worked in North Carolina. And then Coach Boyle really helped me get on at Maryland to go work for Mark Turgeon for a summer. So I went and worked those camps. And, you know, the big thing about those are you meet so many different people that I still have relationships with today that are now in coaching um, that I built at a very, very young age and they're strong relationships. That's probably my most, you know, number one thing advice to managers is go work camps. But in terms of how I kind of started to navigate the GA stuff, it was the beginning of my senior year and I had gotten advice of, um, I had a buddy that I actually met at um, the Maryland camp who was a GA at Georgia for Mark Fox. And I was like, how did you get that? Kind of what was your path? What, what was your thinking? He's like, you know, I was an undergrad at Georgia, so it was a little bit different for me. But what I did is the beginning of my senior year, I wrote a letter to every director of basketball operations in the country. Um, wrote it on a nice Georgia letterhead, just, you know, customized it for every single one simply introducing myself and seeing if they would have an opening for next year. So right after the Maryland camp that summer, I went home and started creating a database. I went to every website trying to get the director of ops, you know, name, email address, phone number, if I had it and put them all into a spreadsheet. I was lucky enough that Chad Acock, who was the guy that showed me all of this, sent me his letter. So made some tweaks in the letter, make it mine. And then, you know, customize it for each individual school. Um, so I was doing that August of my senior year, printing them all out on nice Colorado basketball letterhead. And then like coach Roan would always say recruiting wise, you got to hand write every envelope. So I printed out, you know, the 200 letters, 250 letters that I was sending, stamped them all. Um, and then wrote individually on every envelope, the coach's name, the address, all of that stuff. So did that of August, my senior year, not knowing how many responses I get back or anything like that. So sent them out. You know, a couple weeks later, responses started to come in. I ended up getting, you know, probably about 25 to 30 responses from different schools of saying, oh, yeah, we'll have an opening. This is what you need to do. Keep in touch with us. And from there, you know, my whole thing was, all right, I have this director of operations, you know, contact information now. I'm just going to try to, you know, hit him up every couple of weeks. I don't want to pester him, but, you know, I just want to kind of stay fresh on his mind. So, Fast forward, I'm talking to a couple of schools. I have kind of my five schools that I'm applying to. And, you know, the one that I really thought I was going to go to was Pacific out in California. Um, it was the staff before Coach Stoudemire, I believe. Um, and Mike Burns was an assistant coach there. So I had set, ended up sending it to director of basketball operations. And this is how small the basketball community is. You know, he walks into the director of operations office at one time and you know, a letter that hadn't been opened yet with Colorado basketball on the envelope is there. And he asked the director of ops, like, oh, what is that? Like, I'm really tight with Coach Boyle. I'm really tight with Coach Roan. Like, what is that? So he opens it up and it's my GA letter. And right after that, Coach Roan tells me that he gets a call from Coach Burns and Coach Boyle as well. And, you know, he thinks there's a possibility that I could get a GA there. So again, I start staying in contact with Coach Burns and Coach Boyle's biggest um advice to me was you need to write coach burns a handwritten note every single week so all right coach Boyle, if you're saying that and that'll help me out all right i'm gonna do it no questions asked so i just started writing coach burns you know a handwritten note every single week 
whether it was just great win last night, coach, I was following it online or, you know, hope the family's doing well, really anything just to keep that connection going and, you know, really trying to make it a genuine connection. So where he gets a feel for me and um, sees that I'm putting in effort that most people aren't doing. So, you know, I feel really good about Pacific. I'm accepted to grad school. And then unfortunately, right after the final four, the Pacific staff gets fired. So, you know, a wrench kind of gets thrown into it, or I think it was even before the final four. I think they got fired right after the regular season. Um, they get fired, all of that. So, so I'm a little bit down, not knowing what's going to happen. Coach Burns is saying he might get the head coaching job. And if it is, I think I can still get a GA there, but he's not sure. So luckily, you know, as all this stuff is going on, um, Coach Billups got the University of Denver um, head coaching job. And, you know, he brings me in and at the Pac-12 tournament, and he said, this is going to be announced, you know, next week. Don't tell anybody right now. Um, I want to keep it between you and me, but I want to take you along as a graduate assistant. So, you know, that was really a dream come true for me because I had grown so close to Coach Billups at CU. He had um, really been a mentor to me. So to have him want to take me along was not only a huge compliment, but also, you know, a big responsibility for me to, you know, kind of keep holding tra the tradition of what I've done at CU and take it to DU to help Coach Billups as much as I could. Okay, that's great. Um you know, you've, you've touched on it a little bit, but who are some of the coaches, including at, at Denver, uh, who you've gravitated towards and, and who really took you under their wing? Mm -hmm. You know, I would pr probably say everyone on the staff at Colorado first. You know, Mike Roan was huge for me. I worked with Coach Roan every single day um, with the bigs, and I really became really, really close with Coach Roan. Um, he's helped me so much, teaching me recruiting, teaching me everything about basketball, being you know, a young kid from Kansas and kind of working up the same way I did. Um, he played division two basketball, but not playing at a high level. He really took me under his wing um, and kind of showed me that Jean Prelo had a huge effect on me in terms of offensive concepts. Um, Coach Pre is a mastermind of different things. And um, he was obsessed with Kansas two game at one point. So I remember my senior year of CU, we literally sat there. He gave me a homework assignment of I'm going to sit you got to sit down and watch the Kansas North Carolina final four game. And let's figure out how Kansas is running this two game because they had it seamlessly of how it worked, how it entered. It was all that. So we know trying to figure that out. Do they do it off the bigs? Do they do it off the guards? So he really made me think differently about how I watch film and offensively. Um, Bill Carton was amazing because of his organization and what he did director of ops wise. He's one I probably, you know, interacted with most, um, throughout my time at CU just because I worked close with him trying to do everything exactly what he did because I knew eventually I would be a director of ops and I wanted to be just like him. And then coach Carney at CU was just unbelievable in terms of how much he cared for everybody, how much he showed me. He had been a head coach. He had been everything you could say, but Sean Carney was unbelievable for my development as well. Um, not even to mention coach Billups, who obviously I ended up for working for at Denver for three years, but assistant wise at Denver, I think we had again, a very, good staff the three years I was there. Obviously, I'm now working for Coach Ficky, and I can't say enough about Dan Ficky, the person. Coach Ficky, you know, when I first got there, there was another GA that he was kind of tight with. So not right off the bat were we best friends working close together. I kind of had to prove myself to Coach Ficky, but he is an unbelievable recruiter. He's a tireless hard worker. He is beyond all that. He's the best dude of all time. You know, I've seen him from when he was an assistant to now a head coach. He hasn't changed one bit. He's a great dude to work for and a great friend for me to have. So I learned a ton from Coach Vicky in terms of, 
his work and his attention to detail and getting everything set up for that staff, whether it was recruiting, whether it was visits, everything kind of fell on his plate and he was kind of managing all that. So trying to help him and seeing how he managed that was really good. But the other two assistants at Denver were very, very important to me because they were two older guys who had both been around the block. And, you know, the first one was Ricardo Patton. Coach P, as I said, was a head coach at Colorado when I was growing up. So I went and watched the Ricardo Patton teams at Colorado. So, you know, I never got the chance to meet him, rather it was just passing or whatever. But Coach P was awesome because he was almost like, you know, that steady hand um, for DU. You know, he would get after kids and, you know, lean on all of his experience, which I think was very, very good for us. But he would tell stories about everything and how he came up and how he thinks you should do this and really just trying to guide and help the young guys. But, you know, the guy I worked closest with at uh, DU was Steve Snell. And, you know, a, like a person, again, I say I wouldn't be here without a lot of people. Mike Rohn's one of them, Todd Boyle, Todd Sandstedt. You know, another one is Steve Snell, because that first year of, you know, being a GA, Coach Snell really, really took me under his wing. I was partnered with him for all of the scouts, and he showed me the ropes of going from, you know, a manager that thinks he wants to coach to now you're a graduate assistant. You're right there. All right. You got to figure this out. How are you going to do it? So he showed me everything from this is how you literally watch film and scout. This is what I do. You know, this is why I do it. Gave me a why for everything. We got to be proactive, trying to take everything off the head coach's plate. Coach Snell, I am so, so grateful for him. And we're very close to this day, but he really taught me everything of how to really become a coach and, you know, really go from this bright eyed college kid right out of, you know, being a manager, thinking I want to coach to, all right, how are you going to do this? He really, you know, put the wheels in motion to help me grow for sure. Okay. Talk about the community outreach and, and service that you were involved with during your time at DU. Yep. So um, the main one, we did a ton around the community, you know, Coach Billups being from the uh, Denver, Colorado, that's his hometown. We did a ton from Children's Hospital, <coughs> excuse me, to the homeless shelter, to everything. But, you know, the one I kind of spearheaded um, was the Stay In to Win program. It's from NABC. And how I got involved with it is actually, you know, kind of interesting. I was just walking around the convention one year at the Final Four, might have been the Arizona year. Um, when it was down in Phoenix and, you know, I got stopped at one of the tables and said, you know, let me show you this. And, you know, what stay in to win is it is a program that NABC puts on where school or teams go to different inner city schools and they basically partner with them throughout the year to help these kids, you know, encourage them to stay in school. And really the main point they try to get across is, you know, you might be a great athlete, but at some time, at some point that basketball is going to stop bouncing and the only thing you're going to be able to lean on is your education. So really trying to, you know, integrate not only DU basketball players, DU coaches with their faculty and their students um, to get that point across. So I was in charge of it at two years at Denver, and it was really cool for us because we ended up partnering with Coach Billups' um, alma mater, George Washington High School. So really, really cool. I would bring, you know, three students over about three times a year, and we'd meet with various classes of athletes, non-athletes, you know, really just encouraging them and um, talking about the different ways to stay out of trouble, to make sure you're on top of your stuff and ultimately stay in school to get your degree. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I know you, you know, just 
being your first year in North Carolina, a completely different time zone. Uh, have you continued that at Belmont Abbey? You know, I got there so late last year. I wasn't hired until right before school started in August. So unfortunately, we didn't get to do it last year. That's the plan this next year going forward is we're going to partner again with the school um, and get the stay in the win program out at Belmont Abbey as well. Oh, that sounds awesome. Look forward to uh, following that. <clears throat> you know, you received your master's degree in sports coaching mm-hmm. from DU in uh, June of 2018. Did you know that you'd have the opportunity to remain on staff in a full-time capacity? Zach? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay. I'm not sure what happened. I said I was still recording. Um, So, yeah, let me just gather my thoughts again. Um, Yeah, so I did finish my master's at DU. And, you know, throughout the master's portion of my career, Coach Phillips was very, very good in terms of he was always kind of told me that, you know, once you get your master's, I'll hire you full time, but you have to get your master's done. And you know, that's one of the things I'm most grateful to Coach Billups for is he made me get that master's um, because it's very, very important in coaching now. You know, it's almost a prerequisite, it seems like, that if you want to coach, most people are having their master's, so I'm very glad I got it done. But, um, yeah, he, you know, I kind of talked about I'll hire you full-time once you get that master's done. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say my master's was easy in any sense. DU is a very, very good school, and the program I was in the masters of sports coaching is very, very well run by Dr. Garrity. And um, to be completely honest with you, after going to four years of undergrad, the next two years of grad school were definitely a grind, but looking back at it now, I'm glad I got it done when I did. So um, I can kind of check that box and, you know, hopefully we'll open up so many more doors for me after having it. But, you know, in a roundabout way to answer your question, coach Phillips was so good to me during that process of, um, you know, get this master's done and, you know, I'll figure out a way to hire you. Okay. Um, you know, what were some differences between Coach Boyle and Coach Billups just as far as running a program in-game, out-of-game, you know, just mm-hmm. all that? Yeah. Um, well, first off, you know, the philosophies of our DU program, the philosophy of a CU program are very, very similar. Um, <clears throat> Coach Billups took a ton from Coach Boyle, and, you know, rightly so. Coach Boyle has had extreme success, and, Um, We based a lot of what we did similarly to what we did at CU. But, you know, Coach Boyle um, is very, you know, intense and very fiery. You know, if if Coach Boyle is saying something, all those guys are going to freeze and look at Coach Boyle. Um, Again, credit to his success and the, you know, track record and everything. But Coach Boyle was really on top of everything. And Coach Billups had a, a lot of the same similarities in that, but Coach Billups was great, unbelievable at player development and, you know, really getting relationships with our guys. Um, more than a head coach I've seen, you know, just being a manager around the office, Coach Boyle had a great relationship with every single one of our players. But getting when he got hired at DU, Coach Billups really went out of his way, you know, to get to know every single one of those kids. And, you know, I think Coach Billups really, really shines um, in the player development aspect work one-on-one with those kids or in groups of four, everything he does really shines very innovative um, and very, you know, different than what you would usually see. Everything he's doing has some NBA concepts that he got from his brother who had been in the league for so long and tying them to what we're doing and simplifying. He was very, very good at that. But, you know, Coach Boyle is very fiery, very intense. And then 
on the sideline, Coach Phillips is very calm, you know, kind of um, very encouraging to our guys, but isn't much, as much of a yeller as Coach Boyle is. Okay. Um, you know, your job title changed prior to you accepting the assistant coach job at Belmont Abbey. Mm-hmm. Were you able to stay on it, do you? Uh, say that again, David. You broke up. Sorry. I said your job title changed prior to you accepting the assistant coach job at Belmont Abbey. Were you tempted to stay on it, do you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, I had just gotten bumped up from player development, which I was my, it was my third year at DU, to had gotten a promotion to director of operations. And, you know, it felt like I had kind of reached, you know, what I was striving for. Ultimately, I wanted to be assistant coach. and um, But, yeah, I was definitely tempted to stay on at DU. But when Coach Vicky got that job and, you know, he's like, I want to take you with you – or, excuse me, take me w- with him – um, and put you on the road and be an assistant, man. It was, it was definitely tempting to stay at DU because I was comfortable at DU. I was an hour away from home and all of that stuff. But, you know, the opportunity to get on the road, um, talking to mentors and talking to everyone I'm close with is like, you know, you're going with a guy you trust in Coach Vicky, you know, a guy that I want to work for, a guy that I want to work with. And, you know, the opportunity to be on the road, coaching at the Division II level, at 26 years old is only going to open up so many doors for your career. Um, you know, with my background of working with Coach Carton at CU, I feel like I had a great handle on everything in the operations role. Um, but again, wanted to get closer to my ultimate goal of being a head coach and get out on the floor again, get out recruiting for the first time and um, check that box and get it on my resume and really have an impact on the kids in a different way than I would have in the ops role at DU. Okay. Um you know, you've touched on it, but your relationship with Coach Ficky, um, you know, did that make moving to North Carolina <clears throat> that much easier? Uh, Just, you know, that prior relationship, knowing how he likes things, uh, as opposed to just moving to a Division two school where you'd be an assistant coach for somebody that you really didn't have a relationship with. Yeah, absolutely. There's zero doubt about it. Like, the reason I went to Belmont Abbey was because of Coach Vicky. You know, if it was just a random, you know, Division Two that I didn't know the head coach, I didn't have a relationship with, you know, I probably would have stayed at Denver. Um, you know, moving across the country, and especially for my mom, you know, she had both boys in state, and then my brother moved to Texas, and then right after that I moved to North Carolina. It was much easier for her seeing her oldest son move away after he'd been lucky enough to stay in the state, but to move away with someone that I was so close with. You know, I had – as I said, I'd become really close with Coach Vicky and Jordan and um, the twins. I'd go over to their house. I'd drive Coach Vicky to work sometimes, like all of that different stuff. It really became not only a great working relationship, but a great friendship. So, you know, without a doubt, I don't think I would have gone to Beaumont Abbey um, if it wasn't for Coach Vicky. Okay. Talk about coaching the developmental team or development team and uh, <clears throat> how that head coaching experience has helped you become a better assistant coach. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as I said, I think being a manager um, was the greatest decision I ever made. You know, the probably the second thing on my list of really growth for me was coaching that development team last year. And um, being from the West Coast, it was a very, very foreign thing to me because there's really no development teams on the West Coast or in Colorado. You know, there's the RMAC out here, but, you know, to my knowledge, the RMAC schools don't have a development team. So, Throughout the hiring process with Coach Vicky and Coach Miss, the AD at Belmont Abbey, I have really had to do a lot of research from the other guys that have coached it to really get a handle on, you know, what it was and how it functioned. But 
you know, the development team as a whole is a really, really, really cool um, concept that Belmont Abbey and a lot of other teams in our league and a lot of teams on the West Coast do because we're giving kids an opportunity to play. You know, a kid may not, you know, be recruited how he wants to and um, he could come to Belmont Abbey and work his tail off and ultimately get moved up to the varsity. So um, it's a really, really cool concept. But in terms of my personal growth, behind being a manager, it was probably the second most influential thing because, you know, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but it's really free head coaching experience, right? Coach Vicky yeah. was in his first year at Belmont Abbey. He had never really, you know, been around a development team. And my trust in Coach Vicky and his trust in me really allowed him to take a step back and not have to worry about anything development-wise and really let me handle it. Um, so he could focus all on varsity and he had to know that the development team was in good hands, which, you know, I was very appreciative of. It was a lot on my plate, but ultimately I had to have conversations that I wouldn't have unless I was sitting in that seat. You know, you as an assistant, kids will come in and, you know, maybe complain about playing time. Coach, why aren't I playing all that? And, you know, you'll talk to him, but ultimately it's the head coach's decision. As a development team head coach, I had kids coming in my office wanting to have that conversation with me. So, you know, you picture how you'd have those conversations, but I kind of just got thrown in the fire to have those conversations about playing time, you know, to have parents call me, how am I handling that to academic issues to, you know, a kid misses class, that sort of thing. And whether it's, you know, from assistant perspective as a head coach, you just got to deal with all that. Cause I didn't have a head co or assistant coach for the development team. So I'm dealing with all that, trying to keep everything in line and, you know, ultimately trying to run it exactly like our varsity program. So you know, ultimately the development thing and the development team coaching that last year was so much growth for me because I had to get out of my comfort zone to almost get in the seat that Coach Ficky is in to a less extent to understand everything that comes across his desk. So now as an assistant, you know, I can lean on that experience, you know, to a lesser extent, of course, but say Coach Ficky has this, 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 and this, and this coming across his desk every single day. So now as an assistant, what can I do to help take some stuff off his plate. You know, can I handle this? You're like coach figure doesn't need to worry about that. I'm going to take that off of his plate. Can I handle this? Can I handle this? Ultimately taking so many things off his plate. So hopefully he can function a little bit easier. He can be more, you know, efficient, more effective, spend more time with our guys on the court and doesn't have to handle so many of the things off the court. Okay. Um, now, did you get to put in your own offense and defense <clears throat> or did you kind of, uh, you know, mirror what the varsity team ran? Um, you know, we tried to run motion last year as a varsity program, and then we ended up running more sets than we did motion. So the development thing was very unique because it was 25 dudes, 20 to 25 dudes in the gym. And it was just me. So I had to be very creative and be very efficient. And all right, how are we going to teach these dudes what we're going to run? Um, so everyone grasped it, all 20 to 25 guys grasped it. So, um, you know, I tried to do motion, but motion is just so much teaching if you're you know, doing it for the first time that it wasn't conducive to the time we had in the gym. So we turned to a lot of different sets, some sets that we were running varsity wise and continuity stuff that we had done at Colorado and at Denver. Um, and then also some sets that I tried to kind of wanted to be creative with. It was really, really good for me um, from an offensive standpoint, because, you know, I was going on YouTube, I was watching different things, Brad Stevens runs, I was watching different things, other coaches run. And, you know, if I see something I like, I'm going to jot it down and shoot, let's try to run it with our development team and see if it works. And, you know, if I can get it to work with our development team, then I might take it to coach Vicky and say, Hey, 
you know, we ran this last game or we ran this in practice the other night. It worked really, really well. We should try to put it in for Daquan Abram or Romeo Ferguson or, you know, one of our guys Then we need to get a shot. So um, to, oh, in a roundabout way, again, to answer your question, um, some similarities, but I tried to be creative and, you know, tried to expand my knowledge as a coach as well. And credit to Coach Vicky because, again, he kind of gave the reins to me and said, this is your program. This is your baby. Kind of do what you want with it. No, I think, you know, your answer and how you approach the development team, you know, was phenomenal. I think that more people that have that luxury of, you know, free head coaching experiences, we called it, um, you know, should approach it the same way where it's like, okay, it, we can run this stuff and it works with, you know, guys who aren't as athletically gifted as you know, the varsity team. If it's working with them, man, like mm-hmm. let's have some of our dudes run it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, offensively it was definitely like that of very creative, but, you know, defensively is what Belmont Abbey's built on. It's what CU basketball is built on. It's what DU basketball is built on. And coach Vicky brought it to Belmont Abbey as well as of defense and rebounding. So, you know, from a defensive perspective, we were doing all the same things our varsity did because, you know, if we have a kid who is going to get moved up to either the practice squad with varsity or moved up to varsity full time, there should be zero doubt that he knows exactly what we're doing defensively. He knows how we're going to win at Belmont Abbey and he knows our identity. That's great. Um, you know, talk about the program, you know, having such great success in your first season in the state, talk about the relationships you developed with the players and the Belmont Abbey community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, very, very blessed to inherit the team that we did. They had great success the year before 120 games, you know, won a ton, um, and had a lot of talent returning. So we were very, very blessed to, you know, inherit a Daquan Abram who had been the player of the year who scored 2000 points in his career, who is a walking 30 piece. And it's unbelievable because you look up and he has 30 and you're like, how the heck did that happen? Cause he had five points about 15 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> then Romeo Ferguson, who is just a dog and, you know, plays his butt off every single possession and brings this mentality of a huge chip on his shoulder and plays so hard and, and ends up being the defensive player of the year. So, you know, no doubt that we inherited um, a group, but I'm very, very proud of how, we came together as a family and as a group, you know, it's not easy to have a coaching change and a guy who's bringing in a completely different philosophy than what they were doing the year before, you know, the year before they were playing 40 minutes of zone Um, and coach Ficky comes in and, you know, he wants to play man. And it was really a give and take on both ends of, all right, we're going to clash heads at some point, but where can we get to the point of coming together? So, you know, I think what I'm most proud of of last year was, you know, we want set goals if we wanted to be number one in the league in field goal percentage defense, and we did that. And then we went from last to first in rebounding margin. So ultimately creating that buy-in of our guys of, we know you guys can score. You guys are unbelievably gifted scoring. Like it's the fastest team I've ever been around. They would get it out the rim and pitch it up and we'd have a layup on the other end. And it was unbelievable to be a part of and so much fun to coach. But to have those guys buy in defensively, I'm so proud of. And it's something I think I'll take Um, for the rest of my career to say, look, we inherited this and we're able to do this. And it wasn't Coach Ficky and me and Coach Saunders. It was us, yeah, kind of pushing them along. But ultimately, they bought in and they all the credits to them for the success we had last year. But, you know, last year's ride was so much fun. Um, Nine and three at the Christmas break. And the Christmas break is very unique in Division Two compared to Division One because, you know, you're taking a week off. So it's really like um, a new season when you come back right after Christmas. And, 
you know, unfortunately we didn't handle it as good as we could have. I believe we lost five out of six in January and, you know, January, our faith was tested and we were reeling a little bit. And again, credit to our guys because they came together and we ended up winning, I think 10 or 11 in a row before we lost in the conference championship to Southern Wesleyan. And, you know, we're ready to go try to take on LMU in the championship. But um, ultimately, I'm very, very thankful for the guys we inherited because more than anything, everything I'm saying on the court, off the court, we have unbelievable young men. You know, these guys, credit to their parents. Every single one of our guys are so well-spoken, are so polite in public. Like, it, they're a joy to be around. They go to class. You know, for the most part, have a slip up here or there that we have to correct. But um, such a joy to be around so nice to everyone in the community and you know they are the standard and we're not always you know 100 we still have to get better we're not perfect but you know they're the standard of what we want Belmont Abbey basketball to be and we're going to keep working towards that but very very excited about the guys we have coming back this year and then also the incoming guys okay um you know what are your coaching aspirations you know you mentioned being a head coach is there a, a timeline that you have a time frame or now talk about your, your aspirations. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to say, you know, I'd love to be a head coach by 30 or 35, but I, I think it's so hard to put, you know, a time on that sort of thing. You know, going back to my experience with two guys I really, really respect and I'm really close with, you know, Mike Roan and Steve Snell. Coach Roan has been a JUCO head coach, but hasn't got his opportunity to be a Division One head coach. And then Coach Snell also hasn't had his opportunity to be a Division One head coach. So, you know, I'd love to be – you know, shoot for the stars and say, I'd love to be a head coach by, you know, 35 or 40. But, um, you know, ultimately I do want to be a head coach. And I think this experience I'm having at Belmont Abbey um, is preparing me for that. I would love, I've absolutely loved the division two level of being able to work with guys and um, have a big um, impact on them. Um, guys that, you know, may not be 10 year pros, maybe have a couple years after they graduate overseas and, then going to the workforce. So having a big impact on those guys, you know, someday I'd love to try to get back to the division one level as an assistant and, you know, try it out there. And then it's always been my ultimate goal to be a division one head coach. And, you know, my dream job would be the university of Colorado. If I was ever lucky enough to do that and go home to Boulder and, you know, be 30 minutes from my parents at a, in a place I love and, you know, I'm biased, but I think Boulder is the best college town in America, but, um, yeah, ultimately I want to be a head coach. I'd love to be a division one assistant coach at some point in the future. I don't know when slash if that'll happen. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, I love being a division two. I love being with coach Ficky. I love, um, kind of how Belmont Abbey functions. So if it was a division two head coach, like maybe that's what it's meant to be, but, you know, continue to grow, continue to try to get better and ultimately, you know, be a division one head coach if it's in the cards and, you know, the dream job of the university of Colorado at some point in my career. Wow. That sounds great. You know, I, I went to your website. It kind of has your coaching portfolio, different stuff on there. Talk about where you came up with the idea for it and, uh, you know, when you uh, developed that website. Yeah, for sure. So um, the website's kind of molded. It started as a handbook sort of thing. And, you know, Coach Phillips <clears throat> actually gave me the idea when I was a GA, I think my first year at Denver. He was interviewing someone for a position opening or maybe they wanted – he was hiring a GA and they came in with this portfolio thing excuse me, it happened when I was at CU because I made one for all my GA stuff. And, you know, Coach Billups like, you should make one of these. So my senior year at CU uh, and Marge Marcy, the um, administrative assistant at CU, really helped me make the background and all that stuff for it. But it was a hard copy is what it was with all of the coaching stuff and 
resume and every camp I've worked and what I've done and AAU coach and AAU teams I've coached and where I played and all of that stuff. So it was a hard portfolio that would bring to the final four and hand out and, you know, give them something tangible to have in their hands. And when I was in grad school, I had to do a capstone project. And, you know, I was kind of lost of what I wanted to do for the capstone. I had my portfolio that I showed Dr. Garrity and, you know, he was very impressed with it. And, you know, I kind of wanted to do more. So that's really where the idea of creating a coaching website came. So um, again, I kind of took my hard copy portfolio and really broke it down and remade every dis every different aspect onto that website to where, you know, you can really click and interact with every level of my resume, whether it be, you know, my time at CU and what I did and what I was responsible for to my time at Denver to about Zach Rubisam, the person, you know, where I'm from, birthday, Colorado, my brothers, my mom, like all of that different stuff really on one um, page that you see everything I've done. So, you know, I did it for my capstone. So I got, hopefully, I think I, I remember correctly. I think I got a good grade on that, but I really pin it on my Twitter. And then if I ever apply for a job here in the future, that's one thing that I'll definitely send along um, to a head coach that I want to work for to try and, you know, separate myself. Because ultimately, you know, when you're trying to get a job, we're so lucky to be coaches. Um, and I know you appreciate this of how many guys want to be a college basketball coach. So, you know, and you got to be able to separate yourself and, you know, really highlight what you bring that someone else might not bring if you're trying to get that same position. So the coaching website is just a way for me to continually update my resume and kind of be different from, you know, the eight by 11 piece of paper with bullet points of what I've done. Okay. You know, th this can be either, you know, when you were a support staff or, you know, as an assistant at Belmont. Do you have any rec crazy recruiting stories as far as trips or on-campus visits? Who? Um, let's see. Crazy recruiting stories. Um, let me think about that. And I'll tell you guys a quick story. I was, again, I was very, I owe a lot to Coach Billups. Um, he, we were in Seattle, Washington. It was actually, you know, that weekend, unfortunately, that Spencer tore his ACL right before the UW game. But, you know, Coach Billups let me go recruiting for the first time in Seattle. Um, and, you know, we were at Cheesecake Factory eating dinner, all of that stuff. And he's like, hey, you want to go recruiting with me? So I, heck, yeah, I'm leaving dinner. I'm going recruiting, like asking the other, you know, student managers, can you take care of this? Can you take care of this? And I'm riding with Coach Billups. And, you know, we go to Mount Rainier High School, I believe. Uh, or Rainier Beach High School in Seattle, and it is a big-time game. And um, the gym is packed, and we go to watch a kid. And, you know, I don't know if it's a crazy story, but it had a huge impact on me because it's the first time he taught me of, you know, sit there and watch a kid. You know, what am I looking for? Am I – I'm watching him during warm-ups. How does he – what is he doing during warm-ups? How does he react? All of that stuff. Um, you know, now I'm watching him in the game. Is he a good teammate? All of that. And then in the car on the way back, Coach Billups asked me, he's like, what do you think of him? Like, give me your scouting report. So, you know, like, I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, all right, I like this, this, and this. And, you know, thankfully he agreed and was like, all right, I think you're starting to get in all that stuff. So um, that's a big thing that stuck out to me. I guess a crazy recruiting story. Um, and one thing you definitely do not want to do as a manager, um, <laughs> and I won't name names with this story, but, you know, we were at CU. And um, when we're at CU, we go to the football games and we drive golf carts. So Folsom Field is in the middle of campus and the Coors Event Center is on the very edge. And so it's me and another student manager and 
we're driving a recruit and I believe his mom in the back of a golf cart and the coaches are in the other golf cart and, um, or something like that. And, you know, the recruit is from, I think it was from California or Florida, somewhere warm. And he asked, he's like, how much does it snow? And kind of without thinking about it, the other student manager says, oh man, it snows a ton in the winter, blah, 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 <laughs> all of that. And I kind of look at him like, bro, what are you doing? And unfortunately, that kid did not come to Colorado because he had the misconception of how much it snows. And when reality in Colorado, you have 300 days of sunshine and it snows and it's gone the next day. So definitely do not tell kids that are from warm weather cities how much it snows in so-and-so city. Um, that would probably be the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about how COVID has impacted your day-to-day routine uh, and coaching duties. Yeah. Um, Man, that two months that we were shut down was very, very unique and interesting just because, you know, we were right off the NCAA tournament. And then like that, like every, everyone's home, like nothing's going on. So it was really like, what are we supposed to do now? Because our season's over. Um, so really in that shutdown, there wasn't a ton for us to do varsity wise. Right. We were, you know, we're pretty much done. We saw we were close on our last three guys. So really, we just shifted towards recruiting. Um, we ended up signing five guys in this class and we really started utilizing Zoom. So it was really a ton of Zoom meetings, a ton of Zoom in-home visits as like we like to call them. So Coach Vicky and I would sit down and really, you know, all over Zoom, Skype with these people in their homes and we're calling it in-home visits that we might continue. But, you know, the day-to-day just kind of got slow. It was really how many emails can I do? How many phone calls can I do? Um, and you can only do so many of those during the day. Um, fortunate for me, I was very, very busy recruiting for our development team. Um, so that kept me busy with emails and all that stuff, but COVID kind of gave me a chance to, um, work on graphics as well. And, you know, at the division one level, you have a lot of guys who do graphics for the team, you know, whether it's an SID, like we had at Denver, Chris Smith did a lot of those, or, um, at CU, we had interns or, someone from athletics really making a ton of graphics at Belmont Abbey. We really don't have that. So, you know, I kind of took it on myself to not only learn, I use Canva, I don't use Photoshop, but get better at, you know, different things that I can get our guys out there and get coach Ficky out there on social media to kind of jump up and, you know, get our program out there and what we're about. So um, got to do a lot of that, but day to day has ultimately slowed down. I know, um, we're recently been able to talk to 2022. So we've been doing a little bit of recruiting with that, but, you know, I found out at the division two level, um, it's difficult in my opinion to recruit future classes so far ahead, you know, for 2022 kids, you know, the fact of the matter is all of these kids, most of these kids, I don't want to say all of them, but still think they have a chance to go to division one. Right. And those kids that think they're going to division one, think they're going to division one, they really don't come around. I've seen until, you know, about their senior year. And so the kids we really want to recruit that we really think can make an impact are probably going to be recruited by some division ones right now. So it may not make sense for us to jump in full force and try to recruit a kid right now when, you know, he won't really come around to the idea of coming division two until, you know, a year or so from now, but um, day to day, just trying to stay as organized as I can, trying to stay up on emails, trying to stay up on phone calls and, ultimately try to stay busy, but, you know, very thankful that August is getting close and hopefully we'll get to go back in the office here sometime in July and start prepping for next year. Okay. Uh, well, you know what time it is now. Uh, start bench cut. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to tell you the, how it goes. Cause I know that you have it memorized. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Oh, easy. Start Nike, bench Under Armour, cut Adidas. Easy. Easy. All right. Another another staple question here. Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Ooh, that's a good one. Start Jordan, bench Kobe, cut LeBron. Okay. Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West, Drake. Drake is the greatest of all time. I love Drake. I'm a huge Drake guy. So definitely start Drake. Um, you said Kanye and Kendrick. Yep. I'm gonna bench Kanye because I love all of his old stuff. I still listen to like graduation and stuff when I work out, and then it hurts me, but I'll cut Kendrick. Okay. Okay. Uh, this one I'm changing up a little bit. Okay. Celtic Pride, Space Jam, Juana Man. What was the first one? Celtic Pride. Ooh. Space Jam for sure. Start, um, cut Celtic. Excuse me, bench Celtic Pride and cut Juana Man. Okay, I'm with you on that one. All right, you being in North Carolina, cookout, Chick Fil A, Bojangles. You know, I still haven't had cookout. I, apparently, it's a crime. I still haven't gone to cookout since I've lived in North Carolina. So, you know, I think I automatically have to cut that one, just because I haven't had it. So it's not a fair, you know, it's not a fair answer on my part. So I'm sorry if I offend anybody because I haven't been to cookout yet. Um, but between Bojangles and Chick-fil-A, I got to roll with Chick-fil-A, start it, and then I'll bench Bojangles. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be making a trip down to the Charlotte area uh, in the near future, so we might have to uh, take you to cookout for the first time. <laughs> we have to hit cookout. When you're coming down, we are definitely going to cookout. I love it. All right, last one, Coach. Hoop dirt, verbal commits, transfer portal. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go start hoop dirt. I'll bench verbal commits and then I'll cut transfer portal. Okay. Uh, who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Oh, great question. Great question. Three guests you should have on the podcast. Um, I'm going to start with number one, um, a guy that again, had a huge impact on me at Denver. He's now the director of operations at NC state. You should definitely get in touch with Steve Snell, Steve Snell, would be a great podcast. He has so many great stories, and he's a great dude overall. So I think that's number one, Steve Snell. Secondly um, would be Kenton Aubrey. He's right now at Arkansas State. He is one of my best friends in coaching, very, very charismatic. He works extremely hard. Similar background to me. He went to Fort Wayne for a while, but, you know, a great dude with so much knowledge and a thirst to get better. I think he'd be a great on the podcast. And, you know, the third guy I would have on the podcast Hmm. Let's see here. Um, you've already had coach Ficky, so mm. I'm not leaving out coach Ficky. Coach Ficky would have been my number one if you hadn't had coach Ficky. Um, hey, that's why I delayed having you on. Was <laughs> like, hey, who I have first here? Yeah, no, I'm glad you went with coach Ficky first. He has to go first. He's the head coach. Um, you know, the third guy I would have on the podcast, and I think it would give you a very, very unique perspective just because he's kind of been around the block and he's been at so many different levels. Um, would be Stephen Miss, our AD. I think that would be a very cool one because Coach Miss was at Georgia um, as a graduate assistant, I believe, and then maybe as an assistant. And then he got the head coaching job here at Belmont Abbey. Um, so he's at Belmont Abbey. I believe he um, was at Belmont Abbey for 10 years as the head coach and then transitioned to the AD role. So I think that one could be really, really cool in terms of, you know, being at the high major level and then being a D2 head coach and now transitioning into administration. I think Coach Miss could be really cool. Okay. No, that sounds great. Um, you know, you've touched on it throughout the interview, but, you know, advice for uh, 
young coaches trying to get into coaching and uh, those trying to move up the ranks. For sure. Um, and I won't try to be too long on this. I have a ton and ton of ideas and <clears throat> basically just because I've, you know, I've lived it. Um, and that's kind of what I try to do. The number one thing, um, and I, I don't want it to sound cliche is, but you have to be, you have to network, you know, you have to be genuine in your networking, I think is a better way to put it. Um, trying to get into the profession. I'm huge, huge, huge. When I network on writing handwritten notes, you know, everyone loves to receive a handwritten note, writing, you know, taking five minutes to write a handwritten note and stamp it and send it out. I think goes so far because a lot of people don't do it anymore. And when you get a handwritten note, you're like, Oh my gosh, like this dude, you know, is really trying to make a connection. So network's important and being genuine in your networking um, through notes, through text, through phone calls, um, really trying to be genuine. The next thing I say is, you know, do as many things possible as you can. You know, that's what I love about, you know, being a manager is I tried to learn every single aspect of the program. I tried, I learned the video. I could cut up video. I could film practice. I could film games. I helped with ops. I planned trips. I planned meals. I did all of that stuff. I helped with laundry. I did equipment stuff. I packed for road trips. I did all of that. You know, I, um, helped with scouting reports. John Prelo gave me an opportunity to do a scouting report and really see how he did it. And then I would do one. It was for Arizona. I did a scouting report for Arizona. I just did it exactly how he did it. And then he checked mine against his and saw the differences. So learning how to do that stuff. Um, let's see, recruiting, organizing recruiting database, really anything you can get your hands on that you can do, whether you're a student manager or a GA or, you know, a young assistant, a volunteer guy, it doesn't matter. Like, Go and go and go until they tell you to stop. Never be the guy that, you know, they have to ask, is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Like you want to be the guy that's, oh yeah, Zach did it or coach cap did it. That's of course that's done. Like, I don't even have to worry about that. So that's the second piece of advice I'd say. Um, and you know, the third piece of advice is, you know, if you want to go for it, you got to go full head of steam. And this kind of ties into the last piece, but you know, I don't think coaching is a profession. Again, I'm 26 years old. I'm still trying to figure everything out by no means. Do I have it all figured out, but coaching is definitely not a profession where you can be half in and half out. Um, you got to live it. You got to breathe it. You got to be all about it. You know? So if you want to go for it, it is definitely attainable, but you have to go for it. Just make the decision and go for it. Whether it be, you know, you hear stories about guys taking volunteer spots and, you know, working there and trying to make it work and surviving on the side and going and do that. But if you're coaching and doing what you love, you know, the money will come eventually, but go for it, go all out, sell out for it and um, give your very best. And if you do that, you know, you can live with the results. That's great, coach. Um, if the listeners want to get in touch with you, social media, email, uh, best way. Yeah, for sure. Um, my email is pretty easy. It's just Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, Rubisam, R-U-E, B as in boy, E. S-A-M at B-A-C um, can definitely email me, you know, probably the easiest way. I'm very active on Twitter. Um, my at on Twitter is at coach C-O-A-C-H underscore Rube, R-U-E-B. Um, you know, follow me, DM me, whatever it is, man. I love interacting with guys. I really, really like interacting with managers, man. I hope, you know, Coach Snell has done it to me. Coach Roan has done it for me. Coach Billups, Coach Pre, Coach Ficky, like all of these guys, Coach Carney, all these guys, Coach Boyle all these guys I've been around have are big on paying it forward. You know, so if I can help out anybody listening, whether it's just advice about how I did it, advice about what they're going through, you know, 
trying to connect to people, just reach out. And I'm more than happy to do anything I can to um, help an up and rising coach, a manager, anybody. Uh, that's great, Coach. Uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, being on the podcast, and I look forward to following your success going forward. Thanks, Coach, man. I really, really appreciate it. I love listening to the podcast. You're doing a great job with it, man. And uh, Same goes for you, man. If I can do anything for you, if you need anything, you know, I'm just a phone call away. And really, really appreciate you, Coach. Likewise, man. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe leave reviews, and rate five stars.